Hey folks, welcome to another interview-only episode of the FLW Podcast. We were a little bit discombobulated last week, but this week uh, I expect Kyle and I will figure out a way to put out a show, and in the meantime, we've got a, a pretty solid interview here with uh, Mr. Tim Frederick, uh, winner at Okeechobee. Uh, we recorded this Sunday morning, um, so uh, you know it's obviously uh, about a week after his win, but hopefully still includes a little good info and a little more on Tim Frederick. So, uh, without further ado, here's the man. Alrighty, and now we are joined by Tim Frederick, winner of the FLW Tour opener on Lake Okeechobee. Tim, congratulations on the win. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you very much, and it's my pleasure. I guess, you know... Before, I guess we'll go ahead and dive into, like, the actual fishing at Okeechobee, because there were a lot of guys who were kind of winding and fishing and uh, fishing a little bit faster than you, or maybe a lot a bit faster, and there were a lot of guys who, well, not a lot, but there were some guys who flipped pretty successfully, especially down south, uh, but you were kind of fishing dead slow, like Florida slow, basically. Um, can you kind of talk about how you caught your fish? Yeah. Um, I was fishing slow. Um, it, you know, before the Costa event, I found these fish, and um, it, it's really crazy. I found them. It's like a 30-acre or 40-acre bay, and I go in there and practice for the Costa, and in an hour, I had 30 pounds. So It's a pretty good hour. I left there, and I went to try to... What's that? That's a pretty good hour. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so the next day, you know, I left there and went to try to find more fish just like it, and I, I was unsuccessful. So the next morning of practice, I well, actually it was afternoon. It was probably 1 o'clock. I went back in there just to touch on it a little bit, and I went to the far end of it where I haven't been yet, and I caught another 30 pounds in about an hour. So I quit setting the hook at that point, obviously. And uh, I ended up having like 118 bites in there in a day and a half, you know, throughout that whole thing. Well, then that major cold front came, and I only, you know, it muddied up, and I didn't have any bites. So for the tour event, I went in there the first day, and I fished in there for a good four hours, and I never had a bite. So I ran around the lake. I go in there the next day. I had three bites. And then the final day, I had about 40 bites that I shook all of them. So I knew that the bucks were moving in and I knew that the females would follow soon. As long as we had a stable warming trend, I, I felt like they would come to me. But the key to it was, was patience. I, I, you know, I think the water temperature had a lot to do with it. I think that every day between 12 and two or twelve thirty and two, that water hits that magic number and, and I would get a big bite. So, I think the hardest thing for me to do was to stay in there for, you know, hours upon hours without a bite and have the confidence in the patience that I was going to get bit. I think that was the key was fishing slow and having the patience to wait them out. And, and uh, I think the patience came from 100% confidence. I knew what lived in there 
I caught a 1014 in there and then an 89 in practice for the coast. So I knew there was a giant bass in there. Is so it, I, I stuck it out. Yes, sir. Oh, no. Keep Go go ahead. I got a question in mind, but I'll keep it for later. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Well, I stuck it out, like I said, and it was, it was a, you know, I hate to use the word grind because everybody uses it, but realistically it was a grind. You know, you just, you just had to keep throwing at every piece of cover you could. I mean, I came really, really close on the last day to spinning out, you know, because they weren't, it wasn't happening. And I had seen a big fish bust, you know, in, in this sloppy stuff that I, when I first went in there that morning. So after I, you know, I caught one or two little, you know, I call them rat, rats, little bank runners. I went and threw a frog. And on about my third cast with a frog, I catch a five pounder. Well, he tore my frog up, so I'm digging through the boat to get another frog and they're in my pickup truck back at the ramp i didn't have another frog in the boat so that kind of that kind of threw me for a spin so i picked up a devil's horse and started playing with it and i ended up catching a three pounder on it that that i weighed in so that was kind of key but more so than that that bought me a little time you know because i just don't know if i would have sat there the entire time throwing that thing or the ocho had i not caught those other fish so that settled me down and then i went back to the pitch in the cinco and the reeds and it, and it, and it worked out I, I was blessed it was my day I, you know and then when i lost that giant fish probably two hours before we had to leave i thought that was it i said i, I just lost a hundred thousand dollars you know and it's like i sat down and kind of composed myself for a few minutes and just went right back at it i said you still got the magic hours coming you know twelve thirty to 2 you'll get bit big this time it was just a little later, but I did end up getting that big bite, and it, and it saved me. And uh, man, I'm just blessed. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I I don't even know how. I had no words for it. It just was meant to be. I think. As far as so, like as far as the tournament goes, you only weigh you only weighed sixteen four on day one, and then you pretty much, you know, you weighed over twenty, and then almost twenty on the four, on the final day. Were you doing anything different on day one, or had the fish just not really moved into that area as well? No, I didn't do anything different. I felt like that the first day I caught mainly bucks, but I caught some decent bucks. I might have had one female in the mix. And, and my biggest concentration of bites in there was in this, I guess you would call it the northeast corner. Well, the first two days, that's where the rest of the boats were. So I started, you know... You know, it got tough when, when all these boats go in there and they catch all the bucks, the females aren't going to pull up because there's no buck for them to pull up with. So it was kind of getting in my head. And then I said, well, you dummy. I said, you got you got that whole middle section out there that nobody's been touching because it's so windy. So I just opted to go out there and use my power poles to, to my advantage, and, and I did. And there's no way on earth I would have won this tournament without power poles, I can tell you that. Yeah, but I it, went out there to non-pressured fish, you know, the, the bucks were still there, and the fe- some of the females did pull up, so I was pretty blessed that I was the first one out there. It's it's wild, um, you know, so Terry Tucker won the Costa without power poles a couple weeks ago, and it was probably like the first tournament on Okeechobee that's been won without power poles in like, I don't know, five years? <laughs> and then, yeah, he must, and then right. you go and you have like the ultimate power pole tournament. <laughs> 
Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I can't say enough about them guys. You know, Powerpole, I've been with them since 06. And, uh, man, that's probably, you know, if you were to offer me a boat with a power poles on it or a trolling motor, I really don't know which one I'd take at this point. Because in power poles, you can pull up the spot and fish for a long, you know, I like to fish slow this time of year in Florida. You know, if unless I got some areas where they're staging up, you know, where I can use, you know, moving baits. I, I do like to do that as well. But I felt like my best chance at a big bag was to be patient and fish slow. And and, and it was. I mean, I, don't, I didn't do anything different. I just don't think all the females had pulled in that first day. If you look at the weights, most of the bigger weights, they came from across Harney Pond over there where the rest of the guys were. I don't think anybody in my particular area had a, had a real big bag the first day. Yeah, there were a lot of, uh, definitely a lot of bags in the teens, but I don't think that your area, because there were quite a few other guys fishing sort of around it, um, mm -hmm. not necessarily doing what you were doing, but I, I think a lot of those guys, you know, they've checked in in the teens, but definitely not in the 20s, and obviously that area just, you need to, it needed to be weighted out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and it, I figured it out after day one, you know, it just, Cause that's when I got my big bite it was, you know, on day one, I didn't have a real big bite, but I had a, I think it was, I don't know, it was close to five pounds. And I said, well, it came late in the day and I kept keeping an eye on that water temperature. And it seemed like the magic number for me, you know, I'm running Garmin and it seems like my temperature is two degrees cooler than Lawrence and, and Humminbird. So when it was reading 64 on mine, I guess everybody else was reading 66. That was the magic magic number for me it seems like that's when the females went ahead and committed and pulled up and uh, i just had to keep hitting as many spots as i could i had to fish fast but very slow if that makes sense to you i had to hit as many as many you know targets as i could but still fish them really slow and and that was key for me i mean the high percentage areas that when i'd pull up to a patch i would hit each end and any you know point that stuck out past the rest of them and a lot of times I wouldn't even fish the middle of it, but I realized that later in the tournament, I felt like I caught some fish in those center sections where I wasn't catching them before. I think the boat pressure pushed them in there a little deeper. Okay. So it all came together for me. You know, it kind of clicked in my head like a puzzle and, and, uh, I made, I made some good decisions. Well, that's, that's what happens when anybody wins a tournament. You know, you got, you've, you, you usually you have to figure out, you know, something to do with the spot or the pattern, but then it kind of snowballs from there, you know, and you start, you know, by the end of the tournament, usually you're making all the right calls uh, just because you've gotten so in tune with the fish, you know, throughout. And, and certainly, so it, it ends up, and it looks like it was meant to be, but really anywhere along those times, you could have made a different decision, you know what I mean? That's correct. And I came close. I, I really did. I, I, thought about it and i said man but it's like i told somebody earlier it's my dad told me a long time ago you don't leave fish to go find fish you just wait them out or figure out another bait that they will hit and and i you know i just sat there and i thought about it and thought about it and ultimately that ocho was the way to go it just or that shimmy stick either one it, i don't know what it is about those stick baits like that but they catch a lot of big bags this time of year in florida but actually they catch big bags everywhere but um i this is some of the way i you know normally i'm fishing lily pads the same way you know this time of year and uh i've developed a feel for it and it's no different on the reeds you know I, I can feel the beds i know where the beds are 
you know, I, I made, I, I can't tell you how many loops around that place. And I felt probably, I don't know, 50 or a hundred beds or what I feel were beds. So every loop I would make, I would, I would hit that same area. I, I'd remember it. I'd mark them and I'd go back and hit them. And, and then one out of about 10 times, the fish would be there the second time. So that tells me that they were just pulling in slowly as the day went. And, uh, I was lucky to put it in front of the right ones. You know, the, the day I had 26 pounds, that day started off horrible. You know, I had about 10 pounds up until about 1230 and then, then it all came together. That's for sure. Uh, it definitely came together. Um, I, I guess I want to take it back now to sort of when you got started on tour, uh, and, fi- and learn a little bit, just a little bit more about you. So in, uh, Back in 2015, you fished the southeastern division of the Coast FLW series, uh, top ten in points. Um, had a top mm-hmm. ten, I think, on Okeechobee that year. Uh, mm-hmm. And then next year, you uh, you made the jump to the tour. So, I guess, and then when you got to the tour, you had a really rough first year. Um, there's no like way around yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's for sure. So I guess, tell me about. Uh, that decision, you know, what was it that said to the, the, the said in your mind, this is the time to give this a shot? Well, for me, you know, I was a local level fisherman and I, I've won, I've won a lot of tournaments here on the Harris chain. And, and to be honest with you, I fished some tours, some little trails that went all over Florida and I had success everywhere we went. So I knew that and I, I'm not trying to blow my horn, but I knew I had the abilities and the know-how for Florida anyhow. You know what I mean? So my, I had a son, you know, pretty early on, and I had to wait for him to graduate high school before I could make that leap and travel. You know, I was trying to raise my son. So when my son graduated, I jumped into the Costas, you know, and here I am, you know, I'm saving every penny I got. And, and I got into the Costas, and I had some – some sponsors there that was helping me out. Powerpole was a big one, but I had been working on the county that I live in, uh, Lake County, to sponsor me for two years. I'd been, you know, we had been back and forth, back and forth. They had never done it. Well, when they finally agreed after I made the the tour with the Costas, they jumped the board, and I haven't looked back. I mean, I knew that I knew my first year was going to be rough, you know, because I'm just a working guy. I build closets for a living, you know. That's and I fish on the weekends and, and at this point, you know, I'm getting older. I'm not, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, but my son's out of the house. He's grown. He, you know, he's doing his own thing. I could travel. So I got lucky. I qualified for the tour the first year in the Costas and, uh, the first year on tour, like you said, it was, it was, uh, well, there's no other way to put it. I flat out stunk it up, but I learned so much on the bodies of water that I went to that year. Cause a lot of these lakes, when you leave the state of Florida, they fish similar. There's a lot, you know, bluff falls or whatever, if it's a reservoir or a river system, they kind of fish similar. So all the information that I learned on that first year, even though it was a very unsuccessful year, you know, money wise, knowledge wise, it was huge. So the next year, which was last year, it started coming together a little more after the Harris event. I kept a little momentum going and I, I had some top twenties and, uh, made a little bit of money. Plus I, and the coast is, you know, up at Chickamauga, I finished, uh, sixth 
and I should have won that one. I had legitimately had the fish to win that tournament by 10 pounds, but I had some issues with some line at the time. So that gave me confidence saying, Hey, I can do this. I can, I can do this. I can do this. And, uh, I had a pretty successful year. I've gained a few more sponsors. I got a lot of good people behind me. I feel like, I feel like in life, no matter what you're doing, if you treat people the way you want to be treated and surround yourself with good people, good things will happen. And I'm living proof of that right now. You know, this year, you know, I'm still obviously like I'm off to my best start ever for sure, but hard you know, to have a worse the start. Moment, <laughs> right. Yeah. Or sorry, hard to have a better start. Right. That's the opposite of what I said, but anyhow, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, momentum is, is a key thing in this fish and people don't realize that, but it really is like, well, I seen you, I fished the open and the first day I, I made a bad decision. I stayed on Lake Toho and didn't have enough fish. And the second day I locked through and had the biggest bag of the day. So I jumped from like 140th and, you know, to 14th. I only missed the top 12 cut by like, I think it was 13, 12 ounces to tie, 13 to, to advance. But that's momentum. You know, you're cutting another good check with Harris chain coming up. I, you know, I don't want to say I'm going to win it, but I can say that I got as good a shot if not as anybody out here. So I feel really confident going into the event, and I think that's key to the way I fish. I think that uh, when you're rolling with confidence, I don't think nothing can slow you down. All righty. Give me just a little taste of what you think we're going to see at the Harris Chain, because obviously you've got as much knowledge there as anyone, probably more than about anyone in the field. Um, mm-hmm. But And so you're, you're definitely – you were going to be a pre-tournament favorite even before you won, but now – you know, the, we got all eyes on you. Uh, so what what do you right. think is going to shake out for that tournament? Well, judging by, we got that uh, Bass Pro Shops Big Bass Tournament here right now. And uh, if day one is any indication of how, how it's going, it, it the first day of the event is probably going to be a slugfest. I really feel like you'll see a 30-pound bag, uh, 10.80 is leading the big fish right now. Ten thirty six is second, and then it goes to nines. And I mean, there's just there's oh, I don't even know. There was a couple dozen, if not more, fish over eight pounds caught. So I mean, the lake's fishing really good right now, barring conditions. I feel like that the lake's going to warm up a few more degrees, and fish will probably be everywhere. I feel like you'll be able to catch them in the lake just as good as you will the canals. I don't feel like, uh, and I feel like you'll be able to catch them in all phases still. I think you'll be able to catch some pre-spawners, some spawning fish, and some post-spawn. So I, it's probably going to be a, a tough one to win because because of that. If someone looks up and finds the right area to catch a bunch of pre-spawners, you know, why would you go looking for the sight fish when you can catch the herd before they get in? For every fish on bed in there, there's 15 or 20 out front waiting on to come in. So I feel like... Uh, I feel like it's going to be one on a, a moving reaction bait. That's what I feel like. I feel like a good example is out there in the, you know, the Griffin out in the flats out in Griffin, you know, there's many boats was out there last year. There was so many fish caught. Those fish will spawn out there in that three and four foot of water out in the middle of the lake. And people take, you know, rattle traps, lipless crankbaits and, uh, speed worm type baits. And, and chatterbaits, and I think they'll wreck them. Someone will find the little magic hole where they're setting up. I just feel like that uh, 
it's going to be a reaction bait. I really do. All right. Well, that would be interesting to see because, you know, we saw such a variety of tactics and baits play last time we were there. I mean, we had guys uh, do, well, uh, John Cox pretty much solely sight fished. Uh, we had other guys mm-hmm. make the top 10, you know, throwing reaction baits almost the whole time. Bradley Dorch, you know, had like this ultimate mix going. JT Kenny uh, nearly won the thing, you know, going from flipping pads to fishing shell beds. I mean, it was, as tournaments go, like, you rarely see on any body of water, much less in Florida, just that much diversity of tactics in the top 10. So I'm excited to go back there for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I feel like it's going to be the same mix. You know, I, I think it's going to be, you know, three quarters. I think three quarters of it will be one, you know, like on moving reaction baits. And, they, you know, the other quarter of the time, like the first day, for example, if people got bed and fish they're going to go to, they're going to they're going to knock them out of the way the first day. So if you can, I don't think you'll win the tournament on bed and fish, but I think you can lead the tournament on bed and fish. You just got to have that backup spot to where you can go catch some reaction style uh, fish. I mean, that's going into it. My line, my train of thought right now is it's exactly that. I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to go try to catch some spawning fish the first day, try to keep myself into the mix. And then, you know, basically just try to make the cuts. You know, last year I stuck to my game plan and I'm not, I'm not saying I did the wrong thing. However, looking back at it, you know, I made the cut, I stayed local and made the cut. And on day three, I went for it all. Well, I should not have done that. I should have just stayed local and made the fourth day cut and then went for it. Because you take those canals where there people are sight fishing, like me and John Cox were, were the only two down there on day three. And, uh, you know, there was enough fish in there that John or I both could have done very well. However, there was still a little shell shocked from the boat traffic the first two days. I felt like I could have went down there day four. You know, if I would have went and caught a couple reaction fish and then went down there, I felt like I could have had a big bag and probably a shot to win that one for sure. Well, that would, uh, I, I would like to see you on the fish in the final day, uh, this year, just because, you know, obviously we've seen the comeback potential regardless there, but also, you know, it, last year, the way Rose started it off was amazing. And I didn't think we would ever see it again. I, I didn't, I, I never really expected to see it happen and I don't, didn't expect to see it happen again. And then all of a sudden, here we are, you've won at Okeechobee and you've got your home lake coming up and maybe day one and two, that'll all go out the window because it's fishing and you never know. But you know, right. it might also be that we go into the final day with a chance at like double history, which would be really cool. Well, I, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I'm surely not saying it's not going to happen. Um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm rolling right now with confidence and I think, you know, you can't stop me right now is the way I feel like it. You know, I'm on, I'm on a little roll. I'm catching fish. I'm fishing really good. You know, that Okeechobee tournament, I might've missed two fish the whole time I fished really clean. One of them was big, but it, I was rewarded later for it. So this Harris chain, once it, I, I will tell you this, if we happen to have a major cold front, I'll win it. Cause I, I feel like I'm I feel like I know what to do when the cold fronts hit here and where to do it at. Now it's a, it's a little different, you know, with 
with obviously with 189 boats on the water, if I'm get a bad boat draw and I someone's sitting where I want to be, it, it might spin me out a little bit. But I, I usually have multiple spots I can go catch them when it's cold like that. But I want everybody to catch fish, man. I think that this lake is showing out right now. Again, I've said it before. I think that the Lake County, the Harris Chain of Lakes, is probably in the top two uh, chain of lakes as far as big fish and fishing right now in the state of Florida. I really believe that. And I think it's going to show out for us a little bit. Um, it's setting up pretty good. You know, I, I usually don't pay too much attention to the long range weather forecast because this is Florida and it changes, seems like daily. But uh, we'll see, man. I, I'm, I'm really jacked up about it. Like right now, I could be out there running around, but with all them boats out there, I, I don't even want to go out there right now. I just, it's like I don't want to be seen on certain areas and, I'll just wait till the three days and check them when I can. I just, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I can definitely hear the excitement in your voice. So I will, uh, I'll be looking forward to that one too, for sure. Um, I guess I've got one more question that I really should have asked earlier, but I'm going to ask it now. So the, uh, the area at Okeechobee you were fishing, was that a place that you literally could not have fished before the hurricane or could not have fished in the way you did? Or was it sort of, I don't want to say a historical area, but had it re- had it really not been hit by that much change? Because, you know, with the lake being so high and the hurricane, there were a lot of differences in how Okeechobee actually laid out. 1,000% before the hurricane, you could not fish the area I was in. It was choked out. You, you couldn't, I mean, an airboat could go in there. But a bass boat could not. It, it's almost like the hurricane made another little 30 or 40 acre, you know, it's, it might even be 40, but a, a separate lake from the rest of it, so to speak. But, you know, where I was at, I keep looking back because I was in between Harney Pond and the Monkey Box. Yeah, and we don't have a name for that yet. Maybe we'll call it like the Fredericks or something like that. I I don't know. Oh, man. I just call it, I call it the spoil island. All right, because I didn't know what you would call it, but uh, it's right behind some spoil island, so that's what I call it. But you know, looking back towards the south, there's more areas opening up daily. You know, with the way the wind's been blowing and everything, it's breaking stuff loose and it's floating around, so it's opening up even more. And uh, man, I tell you what, I look forward to that that area. I mean, it it could all change in a year. You know how Okeechobee is, but I feel like you know. It, from Harney Pond to Monkey Box, and if it all opens up in there, that is a that is a big fish highway, because you know how many big fish get in the Monkey Box and Harney Pond. So uh, it's kind of a it's kind of the best of both worlds. If fish are pulling in, they may pull in from the south, and they pull may pull in from the north. So it's a. I think the the key to it though, Jody is is the is the bottom structure. I think that the bottom is right for spawn. You know, it's conducive. They. It's got a little bit of silt on it, but it's easy to fan off for a fish. So they got a lot of reeds and, and pads and stuff in there where they can spawn right on the roots. And man, that that to me is that's that's money. That's I'm I want to go back down there actually. Scott Martin called me and asked me if we wanted to do a show that later this week, and I may do it because if the weather's right, we could go in there and really catch another you know big bag. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be pretty cool for sure. Um, and it's cool to. 
it's it's kind of neat that you know an almost completely new area wins at Okeechobee when usually so often it's uh well it's Harney Pond or South Bay or the Monkey Box and it's something that is has always has seemingly always been there despite you know the that the lake changes year to year so that's kind that well, is, that's kind of neat we're we're as as fishermen and anglers we're we're victims of, you know, we're, we're just human. We, we fish off of memory a lot, and we fish off of the past. Well, a, a lake that's like Okeechobee that's ever-changing, you know, that's, that's a lake that you really, you need to erase all your waypoints from the previous year and just go fishing and try to find them. I mean, that's one of the few lakes that I can say that I tried fishing off the past down there before. I used to always fish South Bay, you know, in the hay fields. Well, the hay fields are about gone. But there's still areas, but you got you got the McMillan brothers that probably know that lake better than anybody, and Jared especially. Jared is gonna be a star. Jared is a Jared is an awesome fisherman, you know, and he's uh there's not an inch of South Bay he doesn't know. So even even Jared told me before, you know, it's gonna fish super, super small. And he was right, but he knew enough of the little spots within the spots that he made it work for him, you know, and that's that's kind of how I feel on the Harris chain. I know enough spots within spots that, you know, I I can pull up and catch a fish and then take off and go run to another area and catch another fish. And I may have to do that, but I would rather find the herd. I would rather find, you know, some, I'd rather find some pre-spawn fish because they're heavy. You know, they're eating, they're gorging, waiting to go in. That's the ones that are the heaviest. Not Everybody thinks it's the spawning fish and don't get me wrong. They're heavy, but when they're, when they're out there gorging up to go to the beds, you know, a, a normally two and a half pounders, three and three quarter, it seems like they're just so dense. They're so heavy. And that's, that's what I'm looking for. That is for sure. Um, I guess, uh, before I let you go here, uh, what do you have as far as, uh, social media or websites or anywhere else you want people to, uh, follow along with, uh, more Tim Frederick action? Basically, I, I just right now I just have my uh, my Facebook, the Tim Frederick Fishing on Facebook and Tim Frederick Fishing on Instagram. Um, that that's what I've got right now. I don't have a website. I, I guess to be honest with you, I got a guy that's working on that for me now. But yeah, I'd love for him to follow me. I mean, that's, I I've had a whole. You can't. Well, you can imagine. You know how it goes. But I've had a just a ton of support since the Okeechobee. And what I thought was really cool, you know, my dad's getting up there in years and he don't, he's not doing the best in health. And for him to be there on stage with me meant more to me than, than the check or the trophy. You know, I say that, but I, I mean, I'm being for real. It just, it chokes me up. He got to see me win and that, that means the world to me. Yeah, that was, I mean, that final weigh-in was really cool just from a, a fishing standpoint and we didn't really know who was going to win uh but to actually to see you up there win was you know phenomenal as well the the outreach and the support even the clueston fans you know they're they're mostly mcmillan fans but they all they all supported me and, and i stuck around and, and talked to people afterwards for a long time in between you know the interviews and stuff and uh i just uh man this this fishing is what what a rush you know the highs and lows of it and right now i'm on a high and i'm gonna enjoy every minute of it and people keep asking me what i'm gonna do with the money and 
Well, I, I'm going to add to it. That's what I'm going to do because, you know, in the big scheme of things, $100,000 is a lot of money, but it doesn't last long, you know. I mean, it's not going to be there forever. So I want to I want to keep adding to it. You know, I don't care if it's $10,000 at a time. I want to keep adding to it and adding to it. And uh, my goal is to make enough money and build myself a nice little house on two acres and, and, and basically pay for it. I, I just When I retire, I don't want to have to worry about bills. And, uh, man, that's that's the journey I'm on right now. And uh, so far this year, it's off to a good start, and uh, I hope I can continue that. I think anyone after last year would have said that you were going to probably do even better this year. And, you know, it certainly looks like this year could be uh, could be a really, really great one, uh, depending on how, uh, well, not, the, not only the whole rest of the season, but, you know, depending on how Harris goes, it could be real special. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, you know, going back to the first year, I think I finished 140th or something in points or right around there. And last year I moved up and I ended up 43rd. So I moved up 100 spots on the tour rankings. And, and uh, I, I, I just want to keep the momentum going. I want to move up another. I'd like to move up 43 spots. You know what I mean? But, I mean, I, I'm a realist. I still got a lot to learn on like the small mouth lakes and stuff like that. But if I can, if I can do what I'm supposed to do on the, the, the shallow fishing Florida style lakes and get some momentum going to the season and make the forest wood cup, ultimately that was my goal and it still is. And now it's really within reach as long as I don't, uh, as long as I don't finish, you know, way down there on, on several events, I feel I got a legitimate shot and, uh, I really want to walk across that stage at the Forestwood Cup, and uh, I, I just with a shot to win because you sure can't win it if you're not in it. That's uh, that's the truth for sure. Uh, well, Tim, thanks for taking the time to talk. I really appreciate it, and uh, you know, best of luck going forward. And I'll see you here in a couple weeks down at Harris.